every time I hear these things, I imagine just like, it's like two in the morning. You've had like nine coffees and you're like, where is an and? I got to find this guy <laughs> saying and somewhere. Dear Shandy. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Oh, hello. Do you feel excited and ready? I'm pretty pumped. Pumped? I would say pumped is, is how I'm feeling. To recap episode two yeah. of The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. This was uh, an eventful episode. Yep. Very eventful and uh, at the same time uneventful. <laughs> I would agree with that. It would seem the show, as as has been a sort of a trend in the past few seasons, is wasting no time just getting right to it. Mm-hmm. The subtlety is out the window. Out the window. There's no more slow burns. Even while the guys were moving into the house, when normally it's just about how nice the hotel is, we were already getting glimpses Oh, yeah. Of friction. Friction, drama. Yeah. It's just craziness in there. (laughs) Just craziness. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you feel ready to begin? Mm, Oh, yeah. Okay. I was born for this. (laughs) Under your breath. (laughs) Yeah. I was born for this. Talking to myself. I'm trying to pump myself (laughs) up. Pump yourself up. I feel like you're a little in over your head with this episode. Yeah. I I got a straw. I've got like that like straw, the reed coming out of the water. I'm just like... (laughs) Okay, so the episode kicks off with Katie in a chat with Keisha, Mm -hmm. our lovely hosts. And even though last week we had some reservations about these two as a hosting duo, not them themselves, but more so the dynamic, Mm -hmm. I I saw some potential here. I felt like it was more of a girl chat you'd see between former bachelorettes coming and chatting with her. And you could sort of get that girl chat vibe where maybe this dynamic could elicit things from Katie that maybe a a formal sit down chat with Chris Harrison might not. You know what I mean? Well, they've done this in the past and it's worked. This is the same format they've used in the past. They brought back bachelorettes or contestants. Oh yeah. I've been paying attention. Yeah. And they have these conversations and they work. So in this vein, it works. Yes. Okay. So right off the bat, like I said, the guys are shown moving into their fancy hotel digs and we're already getting a hint that our villain will be Carl. We're shown at every opportunity him saying things like, this is the Hunger Games, this is a competition, just generally him referring to the entire circumstance as a game, which Mm -hmm. historically one would associate with being there for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious because we get the feeling that Carl is going to have no romantic involvement with Katie. Nothing meaningful. Yeah, So we have our first group date, and this is with Christian, Garrett, Trey, Courtney, Mike P., James, Justin, Thomas, Connor B., and Carl. And they are led to a room, a room that Mike described as a dark room with sex stuff. (laughs) And this date is hosted by Heather McDonald, who I suppose is a comedian. I thought she did a nice job. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's all right. <laughs> and right off the bat, we get our first sighting of Sex Positive. Mm-hmm. If you tuned into episode one, you'll know that we asked you to submit your votes, your guesses, sort of like guessing how many gumballs are in the jar. Very similar. Oh, my God. I used to love those. Me, too. I used to love that. And I was always 100% sure I was going to win. Really? That's sweet. I was always sure I wouldn't. I'd never won. That says something about our personalities. Yeah. That you were sure you would win, and I was sure I wouldn't. False confidence and no confidence. <laughs> They're <But>. superhero duo. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> False and no confidence. <laughs> Join forces for average <laughs> amount of confidence. So did you ever get it right? No. Yeah, me neither. Never close. <laughs> At least I was right to have no confidence then. Right. You win the, 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 the meta game of having yeah. the appropriate amount of confidence in the gumball game. Exactly. So we asked you to submit your votes for how many times sex positive would appear or be heard mm -hmm. in this episode. And this is number one. Heather McDonald says... I knew from the moment I saw you walk out that first night that you were a strong, confident woman, a sex-positive woman. So Heather McDonald asks the guys various questions about sex and the female anatomy, such as, what's the woman's largest sex organ? You knew the answer to this. I've heard this, this question many times in many venues, and everyone knows the answer is the brain. Well, apparently not. <laughs> but but it's hilarious that like most of them said vagina. Yes. Which is... Except for Connor uh, B. and Christian, by the way. Two people in my top four, just saying. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Although I will say I'm, I'm already losing confidence in, in, those, in my predictions oh, really? for this season. Yeah, but we'll get there. Uh, another one is how many erogenous zones does the female body have and what ensued was really funny. So I thought I would insert this clip. What does erogenous mean? Once again, proving that they're sourcing the Bachelorette contestants from the Mensa files. Now, there's a difference between intelligence no, and no. knowledge. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. You're right. She also asks, what article of clothing increases a woman's chance of orgasm? And socks. I did not see this coming. I feel cheated that I was not given an explanation. That's really a microcosm for this show, honestly, is for them to give this nugget of information that you're like, wow, like I didn't know that. I'd love to know more. And then they just smooth right over it and go to this other shit that you don't care yeah. about. I, I think the moral of the story here is that The Bachelorette is not a, 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 a focus point for gaining knowledge about the world. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm putting my expectations in the wrong place, clearly. So obviously the big talking point with this date is Mike mm -hmm. is a virgin. And by pure coincidence is put on this date which is all about sex. I would even wager that this date concept was built around the fact that Mike is a virgin. I don't think there's any question. Yeah. I mean, historically, that first or second group date in episode two tends to be kind of sex-oriented or nudity-oriented or just something. You know, first they're quizzing them on their knowledge and then they start asking them what their favorite sex position is. Like, how is that a quiz? That's just yeah. asking them personal questions about their sexual preferences yeah, it's, not a, it's no longer it's not academic anymore. no it's just designed yeah. to make mike uncomfortable yeah. it's not it's not like the sat no like what's your favorite sex position no no that's incorrect yeah you're getting to a point where there is no correct or incorrect it's yeah just it's like, just like explaining it's like how can we dig the knife deeper into mike's gut seriously poor guy i felt for him he yeah. looked kind of emotional what is it like to have sex before you're 30 <laughs> How does that feel like? Does it feel good? Make you feel like a man? Oh, That's the question. How do you Poor answer Poor guy that? was putting question marks as his answers, which I thought he did. Which is the right thing to do. He did do the right thing. Strong move. Yeah. I like how he was hell-bent on making sure that he told her directly and didn't tell her via a whiteboard. 
So good for him. He handled this as he, well as anyone I, could. I was amazed at how, like if I was putting myself in his shoes, yeah. like I really was. And yeah. I was just like agonized. My heart would be racing I, and I think I'd be near tears. I would be like panic attack. Like I'd have to take breathing. I'd have to really breathe deeply. I would be a full panic attack. Yeah. But he handled it brilliantly. Yeah. There's no better way he could have handled it. Yeah. We'll get to the, the poem he wrote. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, in a that's, bit. Yeah, but still, still the concept was the right way to handle it. He was, he was a real champ. And I, I, my heart just hurt for him. But he really handled it so well. Oh, yeah. He came out on top, for sure. He beat the Bachelorette. He showed production. I mean, did he beat the Bachelorette? He was basically forced to write a poem or do something else that would tell Katie in front of all the guys that he was a virgin. Yeah. I think the bachelorette always wins. So the bachelorette they, always they had wins. it planned. Yeah. God, yeah. so evil. Mm-hmm. Evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. So the men have to prove what makes them, quote, the greatest lover of all time. The dumbest question ever. Yes. There was a funny shot where you could see at least two guys with cans of whipped cream. We never really saw how the whipped cream... <laughs> Apparently that whipped cream thing didn't go well. It didn't go well, but I just thought it was funny that they had not one, but multiple cans of whipped cream at the disposal. At the ready. Yeah, at the ready. Yeah. And here we get another hint that Carl will be our villain. This is Frankenbitten as a voiceover. We hear him go, I want to be memorable, right? I want to be seen in her eyes as the greatest lover. Mm, because mm, I want mm, that trophy. I want to be memorable, right? I want to be seen in her eyes as the greatest lover because I want that trophy. Here's the thing. I don't think Carl is necessarily that great or there for the right reasons in the least, but I also think it's, you know, our duty or really my duty as a longtime recapper who analyzes this stuff to differentiate what he actually says versus what he doesn't. Yeah. I don't think motivational speakers are anywhere for the right reasons. (laughs) That's right. People will be offended by that. I'm sure that some motivational speakers are. And I'm also banking on the fact that f- that less than 1%, maybe less than one-tenth of 1% of our listeners are motivational speakers. So I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> you feel good about not yeah, offending. I'm okay peeling off the, the two or three motivational speakers that tune into Dear Shandy. Here's the thing. I think motivational speakers, when it comes from a place of like their experience, yes, and they've been through hardships or have recovered from mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. and then they're imparting their wisdom. I remember in high school when a motivational speaker would come in, I was often very moved. Yes. But in his case... Okay, why is he a motivational speaker? Why? Yes, what does he motivate on? Yeah, what is he motivated by? Like on Tasha's season, Zach Clark, who was a former addict and had recovered and he was now on the board of a recovery center, mm-hmm. had he been a motivational speaker, it would have been like, this makes a lot of sense to me. I'm go. sure he's great at it. There you go. In this case, what are you motivating? Yeah, what beware are... of the, um, the motivational speaker who goes into motivational speaking because he wants to go into motivational speaking. Yeah, without actual... Without actual motivation. Yeah, just, just motives. Yeah, just, just, just <laughs> MO. Yes. He's an MO speaker. He's an MO speaker. Mm. And here we get another sex positive mention, number two, from Courtney. I usually don't bring out my sexuality like this, but Katie's a very sex positive person. So the men get up on the stage and start performing their contributions. Mm, That's good. Good word. (laughs) Thank you. I thought Connor B's song was insanely good. Both lyrically and musically. Yes. Did he write that on the spot? Yes, he did. Like the music? I don't believe that song was written before he sung it. <laughs> no, I don't mean the lyrics. I mean, I mean the melody, like the combination of the two. That was amazing. I mean, you're 
a musical person. I'm a musical person. I don't know if I could have done that. It was a beautiful. I would listen to that song like while I'm driving. <laughs> it he's, was very he, good. He's going places. Yeah. Not necessarily on The Bachelorette, as we will discuss as later. As we will discuss. But no musically, he's, he's, he's got something. Don't spoil our own recap. Sorry. And then again, right off the bat, we get another sex positive. This one is from Trey. Oh, and this is really Frank and Bitten, by the way. Mm-hmm. He goes, how do I mm, show Katie mm, that I'm sex positive, mm, but at the same time, mm, not come out of the gates with some crazy risque type of thing? How do I show Katie that I'm sex positive, but at the same time, not, you know, come out the gates with some crazy, you know, risque type of thing? Can you imagine how tough a job it is to be an editor on The Bachelorette? Oh, my God. <sighs> Exhausting. Like, I just, I every time I hear these things, I imagine just, like, it's like two in the morning. You've got like nine coffees and you're like, where is an and? I got to find this guy <laughs> saying and somewhere. Well, I, I think that they have like a whole stockpile of them. Oh, okay. It's someone's job, I think, to just collect ands from trey oh so they have like a like literally like an inventory of ands because sex honestly, positive it's love amazing awesome that's, that's it. <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> it actually is amazing and that really is truly awesome if we're thinking about awesome the true meaning of the word awesome yes i am awed by someone's ability it's some awe yeah <laughs> yes the, the you the word is used terribly yes. but in this case I am awed to some degree. Yes, totally. Yeah. That is awesome. The amount of work yes. that goes into so, collecting. So, so cheers, <laughs> production. So J- Trey uses puppets, which was, I thought, quite funny. Great. James does dick in a box. Staying with the box motif. I, Good. I, I laughed like, at the dicks. In, I, I just love dick in a box. Dick in a box SNL, is always so. funny. Yes, always funny. Yeah. It never fails. Can't fail. Christian takes off his pants. Mm-hmm. And then Carl. Carl goes up, and this was just a mess. I mean, he he makes Oof. this about he goes into motivational speaker mode and oh. decides to educate his audience on how to be great lovers. Oh. I had to rewatch this because I honestly didn't even know what happened the first time. I didn't know what he was talking about. What was he even saying? Big I think Carl he fans. wants us to not be Carl fans. I think he's literally selling. Don't like me. <laughs> he's selling yeah, like- I'm not likable. He was doing the worst stand-up comedy and the worst motivational speaking in one (laughs) and both things no one wants to see it wasn't that's the thing if you're gonna do that it has to be funny or moving funny funny or moving you either go full funny or full moving on the bachelorette you can't go in between it's you gotta go you full full (laughs) full on I give credit here to Connor B and Trey, who were still just sort of kind and encouraging while he was doing this. When Carl was getting flack for saying suffocate, <laughs> which honestly is it's actually, a good word. It's a great word. It's maybe the best contribution Carl has given to the Bachelorette this season I so far. I would say by far, honestly, yeah, suffocate. I'm into that. I love how Trey dismissed it by saying, oh, you combine them. It's all good. Yeah. And then when Carl rapped, Connor B was like, he was like, hey, good job. Good job. You know, he was just trying. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah. were just trying to be positive. And yeah, not- it's hard to get up there. Yeah. I mean, even look like Carl sucked, but <laughs> it's hard to do this. I yes. mean, this is not easy. People watch, see, sit on their couch eating popcorn, watching this show. They think, oh, I could do better. No, it's hard to do all the things they're doing. It's yeah. mortifying pressure. It's bad. Yeah. So give him give him a hand. Justin was heckling him hard. And it's not that I felt bad for Carl, but I just appreciated how some of the guys, you know, just wanted to maintain some degree of harmony. It's yeah. it's early. Esprit de corps. You yeah, know, like military. let's get through this together. Yeah, we're in this together. We're in a fight. Like we all like our differences should be put aside. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And now we finally have Mike who writes a poem. 
And I've got to give him kudos for the balls that this took. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he easily could have skimmed this over and just done something to phone it in and then later told her in private. And Uh instead, he made it his thing. No, again, I I applaud him. Like, he he went above and beyond. I couldn't have even imagined doing it better than he did. Except. 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 We we take issue with the sort of message here. I understand the sentiment, which Mm -hmm. is anything for you... I, anything to make you feel loved Absolutely. and cherished, all the things. Heart in the right place, words in not, We're not in the right, place. the right place. He said, love is hard, sometimes figuratively, sometimes literally. Let's break that down for one second. <laughs> is he making a joke there? Because if he's not making a joke about a, a, a boner, yeah, there's th- that makes no sense. It doesn't. Love cannot be hard, literally, unless it's a boner. Maybe maybe it was a joke about a boner. I don't think it was. It's not a Mike thing to do. Maybe it wasn't a joke. It, he was just like, penises get hard when they're when people are in love. <laughs> like there was. Oh he wasn't no no, no. A it's joke. definitely a joke. No <laughs> one's no one's ta- no one's seriously saying penises get hard in love. That's not a thing you ever say. So I would challenge you I'm just to do to that. Help him out here. No no no. He did not mean it. If he doesn't mean boner, I got a real problem with that. Yeah. Love cannot literally be hard. Yeah. <laughs> It's impo- unless it's like literally like a heart shaped like like candy that you get on Valentine's Day, <laughs> and that even that is like really pushing it. I'm sure that's not what he meant. Anyway, continue. But I want you to know is that I would wait another 31 years to have sex if it was what proved to you that I would sacrifice everything for you to feel loved and secure. Straight into the Smithsonian poetry section. <laughs> Uh, so again, sentiment in the right place. Oh, his heart is right where it oh, should be. Oh, it's, it's it is, such a good place. It's, it's like, it's right where you, when you hit that, you know, what's that game where you, in, you throw the ball and it hits the like 200 little circle thing in the oh, carnival? Oh, in the carnival games. Yeah. yeah. What's that called? Whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? When yeah. you hit that, it's like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. His heart was right there. It was in the perfect place. The words. They no. were more around the 50 holes. Oh, no. They were where you throw. <laughs> the 10 you, Like when a two-year-old is doing it. And oh, it just yeah. And goes, it falls down into like the gutter. It's like the gutter where you get a sympathy 20 points. It's like, it's like you didn't really get any points. That's like the least points you could get. You literally, unless you take the ball and throw it behind you. <laughs> My issue with this is that I'm. if you want to wait for marriage for your own personal feelings for your religious beliefs whatever the reason Mm -hmm. that's great because you're doing it for you what i don't like is when people sort of have that do double duty to represent sacrifices they make for their partner Mm -hmm. because that's a lot to put on your potential husband or wife or just future spouse to be like i waited as a sacrifice for you No, no, no 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 you did that for yourself no one asked you to do that when you made that decision, you probably hadn't met your future spouse yet. I just don't like it when it's twisted I, into this. I, I agree. Okay. And also, like, let's be honest. No woman's fantasy is to have a man wait 62 years to have sex. We're picking apart semantics. I understand. We understand what he meant. Well, if he's saying love is hard, literally, then I can I can pick apart his, his uh, <laughs> literal claim that he will wait 62 years. Again, heart. Right in that 200 point in the rolling game. Mm-hmm. 
words all over the place. All over the place. And also the tenses. Of the, yeah, there the was poem. a real, we had, we had a real problem. I struggled with the, the shifting tense of the poem. Yeah, it was like future, past, past, present. I don't know where he was. It was all over the place. But he won. He won the thing. I'm curious to know if people agree or disagree with us on this. I can see some people being offended by our take and some people agreeing vehemently with us. For me, I'm all about anyone making personal decisions for themselves. No judgment. But my issue here is correlating a choice you've made for yourself with suggesting that proves what your sacrifice or love for another person. Yeah, I agree. Who most likely wasn't around and would not be around for a long time when you made that decision. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, I get I'm with you. Yeah. I get you. Ideally, you would find someone who feels the same way you do. And then maybe if you want, you can symbiotically make that correlation. Anyway, we like Mike. I hope it doesn't sound we like, like Mike. Yeah. I hope it doesn't sound like we don't like Mike. Oh, we're just fair. We're fair and balanced. <laughs> we're fair and balanced. Literally. And-, <laughs> and Mike gets the greatest lover of all time trophy. Surprising nobody. Because that landed very well with Katie. Katie loved that poem. So in the evening at the cocktail party, Connor B gets some one-on-one time. And Mm. heading into it, there's an ITM of him saying, I want to redo the kiss. I was wearing a cat costume and I was so nervous and kind of rushed. And so I feel like I kind of flubbed this. I Mm. love this about him. Yeah. I said this last week. I love how you said introspective. Like I love how he is critically thinking mm-hmm. all the time and vulnerable very vulnerable he is comfortable yes. there. i think the word vulnerable is overused sensitive guy he's sensitive you no. can tell cat guys i mean <laughs> i know i know what they're about so during that one-on-one time he says to katie i think we should redo our first kiss because i was so nervous and at one point was like i'm touching her head with a cat paw on mm-hmm. and then he says come here and brings her close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this kiss mm-hmm. Mm. I don't Mm. feel like Katie was into this kiss Mm. I I wasn't into this kiss I would argue that the first kiss was better Uh. It was like it was like a soap opera attempt Like I I don't I wasn't I wasn't a fan I think I think I think I think uh, Houston We had some problems on this one I mean, I'm very hesitant to criticize other people's kisses on the show because I endured much criticism for mm-hmm. my kissing mm-hmm. on the show. So I understand that what you're feeling in the moment may not translate on camera because trust me, Juan Pablo wasn't complaining when we were making out on uh, his season. Like that, there was just, we had great chemistry. It didn't look good on screen. What are you going to do about it? No, I believe it. But what I noticed here was it felt like Katie was breaking away from the kiss. Yeah. It seemed like she wanted the kiss to end. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the two like obviously attracted magnets where it's just like no matter how much you push, the other one's it's going going that way. Yeah, it something was off about this. I agree. We still we just love Connor B so much. We want the kiss to be great. I know. He tried too hard. It was too much effort. I mean, and I feel bad for him because in this situation, how can you not? You feel the need to try so hard. Again, it's you, easy to sit on your couch and criticize. Yes. And and this guy is on live, well, not live, but for all intents and purposes, live television in front of millions of people trying to prove that he's a good kisser. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Even the best kisser might might falter in that situation. But he faltered. 
something about this exchange turned it into more friendship territory for me, but and, we'll get to that. And you, I don't know if, I don't know if you discussed this on our, our first recap, but you pointed out to me that you thought that the first kiss was the reason that Greg got the first impression rose and not Connor B. This is true. And now that is really resonating more with me. Yeah. I felt like if the kiss had been amazing, she would have given the first impression mm-hmm. rose to the person whose kiss was amazing. Case in point, later on this very same date, she gives that rose to Thomas mm. after having what we all know was a very hot kiss. Yeah. I, I mean, as a woman, uh-huh. and, and you know, we talked about this oh, yeah. last time, a kiss is make or break. Mm-hmm. Someone who you're not even that interested in can become suddenly very shiny and appealing oh, yeah. based on kissing chemistry. Oh, yeah. So back outside with the other men on the group date, we see an interesting moment with Carl. This is something I would typically make a, a gif of on my blog, so I thought I would include it here. Carl says, everyone wants that rose. Everyone wants to know I'm in the safe zone. And then James asks Carl, is that rose yours tonight? We hear Carl say, is that rose mine? And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah mm. comes out of his mouth. It's just really wonky. I really firmly believe if he had actually said all of this in this order, we would have been shown it. Also, the background behind Carl, there's a guy that appears partway through. Here's the clip. Everyone wants that rose. Everyone wants to know that, you know, I'm in the safe zone. Is that rose yours tonight? Is that rose mine? Yeah. So yeah, it's not that I think Carl is some angel, but I think it's important to differentiate between what actually he does that is villainous Mm -hmm. and what isn't. And here, I'm sure he did want that rose. It's just these little things are clearly meant to make him look worse. Right. In his one-on-one time, Carl asks Katie how long it's been since her last relationship. Mm -hmm. And she says two years. And he says, same. That's so weird. Is it that weird, Andy? It's not remotely weird. (laughs) Not remotely weird. She asks what happened with that last relationship, and he sidesteps it and says, I can't even get into my last relationship. We should talk about my next relationship. What bothers me with this is that there's no actual getting to know you. There's no conversation. He's talking about the relationship they're going to have based on zero chemistry or connection. (laughs) The relationship they're going to have without actually building the foundation. He's selling. He's literally selling her a timeshare. He totally is that's exactly what he's doing Mm -hmm. her asking what happened with his last relationship is a really great question tremendous question he started that conversation i just everything about carl it's like he asks this opening question and then turns it into this performance or selling of the timeshare as you put it Mm -hmm. i just found this really irksome and it ties into what he does later where he says something and then she asks him a question based on what he says. And then he's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. He's selling something, but there's no product. There's no product. He's a great salesman, but there's, he's not selling anything. Yes. And in this case, the product would be their eventual relationship, which would only be built on actually having conversations and connecting in this at this point. Yeah, imagine that. He's the one preventing a product from ever existing. Correct. Carl. In Carl's defense... Here's a clip of him saying the chemistry, the energy that was going on between us was fire mm, and she's eating it up. The chemistry, the energy that was going on between us was fire and she's eating it up. Note how and she's eating it up. We see coming out of his mouth, but it's a separate clip that could have been about anything. Could have been that delicious looking fruit ball that was (laughs) sitting in front of her when she was talking to Caitlin and Tasha. It could have been something from this week or from a future week that 
something a guy told her, any guy at all. But I doubt that this sentence was uttered in its completion in this way. I agree. Carl is, is, is a little sucky, but he's not as sucky as they're painting him. And the big one-on-one time to happen on this date is with Thomas. And Andy, you thought Thomas reminded you of... I'm going to get this. I am going to get this. Just give me a second. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. You're the one that said it. I, know, I just wrote I know. it down. Just let me go through the alphabet. I got this. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. The first letter is J? J. What's the second letter? O. Josh Murray. Good job. Thank yes. You. you think Thomas reminds you of Josh Little Murray? Little Josh Murray vibes. Mo- like Josh- slightly lower energy Josh Murray vibes. Okay, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Good job. Thank you. In this conversation, Katie says that they have this connection that you can't explain. And then Thomas says, if I've said it once, I'm going to say it a million times. The way that you carry yourself, the characteristics that you have, like the person that you are, the strength that comes across so naturally. That's what I'm looking for in a partner. You know when you feel something. You know it's something special when you can't explain it. It's magic. I'm just very grateful to be going through this with you. It's a a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) A lot of bullshit there. Here's the thing. I said this week one, too. Thomas is so effusive. Mm -hmm. But it it comes back to the foundation built. I would like a little less conversation about the connection and just more conversation that builds the connection. Yeah. Where is it coming from? Every time I hear that, like, like effusiveness prior to connection, I'm thinking they're looking at Instagram money. I can't help but think that. So even though Thomas gets a really good kiss here, like, Katie gets on his lap level kiss. Let's talk about this, this for a second. This was the best kiss. Getting on the lap is a big step. That's a big <laughs> move. So the hottest kiss to date, do you think? No question. Hotter than Greg? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was a very hot kiss. And he got the group date rose because of this kiss. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike Thomas. I just am not quite buying what he's selling yet. Maybe I'll get to that point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's just a little too polished, like we said last week. Classic talks the talk, doesn't walk the walk. Yet. Yet. This was probably just their second bit of one-on-one time. So I understand the need to sort of, you know, build that really fast. But you build it just by having a fucking conversation. conversation. I'm sorry, you do. That said, I do very believe in the physical attraction there. I think there's a strong physical attraction. You very believe in it? Both ways. I very... I very believe. Very believe. <laughs> I bet you in other languages you can say very believe. Yeah, it's too much word. Too English many is, too many words. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I very much believe that there was a great physical attraction. Connection mentally, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. She seems to I mean, I'm not buying what he's selling, but she seems to be. Physically. I think there's physical. Oh, you think it's physical? I think it's very Solely? physical. I think they're into each other. They wanna they wanna do what Mike is waiting thirty one years to do. <laughs> All right, moving on. Greg's one-on-one date. This was a lovely date. She comes and picks him up in a red pickup Mm -hmm. truck. I loved when she announced that they were fishing, and he says, I love to fish. Oh, my God, I am pumped. And his voice cracks. It's so cute. It's very cute. The biggest thing that stood out to me about this date was how they both individually mentioned how easy it is to be around each other. We always talk about this on our podcast, just it being easy. I'm not saying that life with a person will be easy, but I do think the general compatibility should be easy Mm -hmm. so that when shit happens in your real lives that you have that connection to fall back on. The baseline is there. You don't need to explain yourself to each other. Yeah, the wavelength. I feel like the the on a wavelength level, Greg and Katie are about 
as good as it's going to get in that house. Yeah. And here Katie shares what this date means to her because of her father having passed Mm -hmm. in 2012. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This was very moving. I wasn't sure how I felt about how Greg handled this conversation in the moment. He just sort of seems kind of guarded. But we later on find out in Mm -hmm. the evening that his father passed away two years ago, diagnosed with stage four cancer, told he had a month to live. Mm -hmm. This was pretty heart wrenching, Mm -hmm. especially given that he didn't mention it when she mentioned her dad. It made his silence in that moment actually mean more. We felt bad. We felt terrible for thinking, oh, he doesn't know how to handle her grief. It was actually he didn't want to make it about him. I know exactly what he was feeling. He was just like, should I say, oh, my dad died, too. You know, you don't want to do that. You want to give her her time. And at some point when it's appropriate, be like, by the way, I I also experienced this. Yeah, I think it was two reasons. I think first, he didn't want to make it about him. And second, he wasn't ready to go there yet. I I really, I actually really admire that. Like it's, I'm not exactly sure how to describe this, but there's something noble, I think, about not not leading strongly with your tragedies in life. Yes. Like bringing them out when appropriate. Yes. I find it a little overbearing and kind of like something underneath happening when someone is always leading with tragedies. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. It was, there was something very elegant about the timing of mm-hmm. his reveal about his father. I, I would, I'm not, I don't, not that I'm, of course, if he brought it up when she brought it up, that would also be acceptable. He can bring it up when it feels right. But there was like this elevated sense of this is her space, her time yes. to grieve. And when it came up again yeah. later, he brought it up really to reemphasize how much he related to her. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, hey, my dad died too. Oh, yeah. It was really just like, I just want you to know that I really understand. Yep. And then he went there. This was just, you know what it was? It was Beautiful. A classy move. Classy. Mm-hmm. Super classy. That's exactly what it was. We're really big fans of Greg. I kind of want to be Greg's friend. He's a little young for me. <laughs> but, you know, we can make it work. And Greg says something that I wrote down, A, because it's powerful, but B, because I know you relate to it. It does hurt a lot that he's not going to see the girl that I marry. Mm-hmm. It's a pain that that lingers and will linger forever. It's it's a unfixable problem. But I I I totally empathize with what he's talking about. Anyway, that was just a lovely date. Greg. Nailing it. Mm-hmm. But not in a gross way. Class. <laughs> Class all the way. Group date number two. Keisha aggressively, using John's word, wakes up the guys. I think they're great here. Keisha. Yeah, these are the times when they're great. Yeah. When it's like group date, we're playing this role. They announce what the group date Mm -hmm. is going to be. And they're providing commentary throughout. That said, I do think that the star power thing is still an issue. Mm -hmm. Because I've got to say, when they're on the screen, I'm looking at them. That's the problem. Yeah. I feel bad saying that because I really like Katie. I have nothing against Katie. I don't think they thought of that. The producers. I don't think I don't so think, I think they were just like, who? who's not going to like two big Bachelor stars? Yeah, and they're two know? of the biggest stars in the franchise. But they're not thinking they're about high it. Energy. You have to have contrast, right? You have to have, Katie's got to be put on a pedestal. You've yeah. got to think she's the star. Then you have two of the biggest Bachelorette stars. I have to admit, it, it I, even though they sense. were so great at this date, that they're doing nothing wrong. They're almost too good at it. They should be bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal is for them to make Katie look like a brighter star. Yeah, because right now, like I said last week, when 
the three of them are on the screen. I'm not really looking at Katie, even mm. though I really like Katie. I have nothing bad to say about Katie. I'm just sort of like, ooh. I mean, looking at the outfits. That's the other thing. Even outfits. I'm looking yeah. to see what Keisha is wearing. Oh, no. <sighs> and they're taller than Katie. They're bigger. <laughs> Everything about them is bigger. <laughs> oh, I don't know about Caitlin. Caitlin is pretty Caitlin tiny. Is really ti- Katie's tiny. She is very tiny. Yeah. Okay, so the men have to wrestle in the mud. And shocking, so, so shocking that Aaron has to wrestle Cody or vice versa. I did not see that coming. No. Aaron wins. And then in his one-on-one time that he wins with Katie, he reveals that he and Cody know each other from San Diego and proceeds very promptly to throw Cody under the bus. Oh, yeah. He says, the way he handles situations to me, I find disturbing. He handles things in a way that is just malicious. It's funny to imagine an like an alternate reality where Cody had won and gotten this one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. You know, this ultimately did send Cody home. Well, Aaron got the upper hand. I want to see a, a spinoff reality show, Aaron and Cody. What the hell's going on there? <laughs> was there like, it was like... Like, was it like a romantic thing that went wrong? Like, what the hell is happening with those guys? I agree. There's, again, we always talk about so much happened and nothing at all. I still don't know what's going on with Aaron and Cody. No one knows. No one But it's something intense. And they're talking all in code. What did Cody say? He said he said something so cryptic, like no one had to know about yeah. us. Like about what? He, what happened? Later in the evening, he said, how would anyone know we knew each other if you kept your mouth shut? Yeah, it was like the end of like a Scooby-Doo where he's like, if it weren't for those meddling kids, <laughs> like what happened between the two of them? As you said last night, they seem to be like the two friends in Scream who end up being the murderers. <laughs> yes, I stand by that. This is just so strange because A... Aaron's accusations about Cody are incredibly vague. Like he doesn't actually give any concrete examples of what makes Aaron a person of poor integrity or a person who is malicious. But at the same time, Cody is so it's not bad defending himself. <laughs> He's so bad at defending He's himself. He's just like, okay, I have no morals <laughs> and I have betrayed everybody and I do suck. But why would you tell people that? On that note, when Katie does confront Cody in the evening. She says, being kind is one of the most important things I'm looking for in person. He, he just doesn't defend himself well. He says, I'm not that way at all. That's just not factual information. <laughs> That's always what I say when someone accuses me of something. That's not factual information. That's the thing. It was like a he said, he said. But in this case, it was like a he said, he didn't say. Because Cody right. said literally nothing in his defense. Well, the interesting thing on this show is that if you want to be a real dick... You can just say, make up a story about somebody, and usually the, the bachelorette and or bachelor believes it. Especially if, like we said, Aaron got that upper hand. He got in there first, mm-hmm. which is crucial. Getting that extra bit of, let's say it was 20 minutes, they build a bit of trust in that time. Here's the thing. I think Cody is sketch. Something's going on Something there. is going on there. This is where Katie shows just how good a radar she has. She says he didn't even have the facial expression of surprise or being offended. Right. He just looked rehearsed. If someone said that to me, my face would say everything. I would be devastated if that was a lie. And it's true. Yeah. He, he was just sort of like, and it actually made his reaction to Aaron's confrontation in episode one. It tracked. Yeah. Remember, we were like, his reaction was weird. The one caveat in all this, I will say, in Cody's defense, 
is that Aaron certainly seems like the alpha male in that relationship. 100%. Like like extreme alpha male. Yes. So it seems like he's just like like bossing him around. Yeah. So whatever Aaron says goes, even if Cody doesn't like it. And there's this, this strangest dynamic. So I could imagine a scenario where Aaron just completely body slammed him out of the blue and Cody just didn't have Literally the... and figuratively. Yes, yes. I was actually asleep for that, but I remember... <laughs> I remember the the yeah, yeah the, recap the, the, the mud, the mud of the year award goes yeah. to the man who fell asleep. I, but I, but but to my credit, I fell asleep during a part where I really did feel like not a lot of development was going to happen. Yeah, I thought I had a moment, okay. a little little opportunity there for a nap. This is the other thing I will say: you're on national TV. Like it just takes an enormous amount of of heavy lifting to lie about a guy who's on the show with you about something he did. It's really, you have to be genuinely evil to do that. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you, you I put think stock Cody in what did in- some weird shit. Yeah. But I also think that the relationship between Aaron and Cody is extremely alpha. So I think Aaron is just, whatever he says goes, Cody has nothing to say in response. He never defends himself fully. He doesn't get angry at Aaron. Mm -hmm. It's a strange relationship. I'm torn because again, Aaron has no specific examples. He says, I don't like the guy because of behaviors, like values, <laughs> like integrity. Uh, like behaviors, like values, like integrity. That's a lot. I don't really like either guy. To be honest. Here's the thing. I can also see Aaron being the kind of guy who maybe if he was wronged slightly once in a tiny kind of way or just didn't agree with a slight thing that Cody did, then it would be blown into sure. you know, a thing about his morals and integrity. We both agree that Cody must have done something. Something. Something, but maybe not enough to get the treatment he got. He would have to be pretty bad. Yeah. And in which case, why didn't he give the example? And he who cast the first stone, has no one on that cast done bad things that make them look not the, Yeah, the difference in a good is light? they didn't end up on the same season with their enemy from their same city. Bad call, yeah. Yep, bad, bad call. Katie sends Cody home. And I thought he handled this like a champ. Mm-hmm. He just goes, I understand. I really hope you find what you're looking for. Amazing. And As goes, always, <laughs> Cody backs down. <laughs> says, if there's a conflict, you can you can be assured that Cody will back down. Yeah. So Cody, we had high hopes for him with the blow up doll. Oh, yeah. And he's already gone. Well, he got a good joke. Yeah. And he won your uh, limo exit win. Yeah. So he's got that. He's, he's going to be going psyched for- about that. <laughs> Of course, no conflict cannot have a ripple effect, mm-hmm. meaning now Katie needs to take alone time, which, of course, frustrates all the other guys. Mm. So even if they weren't really that invested in Aaron versus Cody, now they kind of are because they're annoyed that it's affecting how much time they have with Katie. This is just I know you haven't seen the show enough to know this, but it just happens every season. I've seen very little, and I still know this happens every season. <laughs> the whole thing of like, ev- like, is everyone here for the right reasons? It's like, come on. Everyone knows that not everyone is here for the right reasons. Yes, it it's your saying. job to find the guy or guys who are here for the right reasons. Oh, you mean Katie's job? Yes. Yeah, but it's also producers' jobs to find people who are not there for the right reasons. Yes. It's every bit their job to find people who are not there for the right reasons as it is people who are. You could go as far as saying it's like one of those like games where you're trying to find where the bad things aren't. <laughs> is that, you know what game I'm talking about? You're talking about in Mario Brothers. Yes. This is so specific. 
maybe we can insert a clip, but where they show like the boxes that you want to hit yeah, because they'll give you prizes like a one up or right. a mushroom. Right. But then there's like a Bowser guy. That's a game. This yes. shouldn't be a thing you sit around crying about. It's like, you know, that most of the people in that room are not there for the right reasons. That's a given. It's a fact. It is. So don't come on. Let's so stop. You th- Let's you th- stop with this this trope. It's enough. The wrong reasons. It's then. enough. I don't. No one wants to see this again. Let's just cut it. Speaking of wrong reasons, yeah, we'll get to this more. But I think wrong reasons should be the guessing words of episode three. Oh, nice. The guess the phrase. Yeah, the phrase. Wrong reasons. Yes, wrong. You reasons. guys have to in the comments submit your votes mm-hmm. on. How many times do you think wrong reasons will be uttered in episode three? And wrong reason will also be accepted. Yeah, wrong reason or wrong reasons. Yes. So in general, you think Katie is too emotional regarding the wrong reasons thing. Yeah, but I mean, she's no more at fault than any other previous password. This always happens. Yeah, it's part of the game. It's part of the game. It is a game where you have a bunch of bad guys <laughs> and they're hidden behind boxes and you have to find the right guys. <laughs> That's the whole game. (laughs) That's the whole game. That's it. We'll get back to that. First, Andrew S. has his time. He seizes time while Katie needs her alone time. Big fan. Andrew S. coming through for me. Andrew S. really coming through. Mm -hmm. You you predicted well last week, Andy. I'm staying strong on Andrew S. I believe in him. I would venture to say this might be our flashpoint of episode two. I think you're right. Andrew S. and Katie start sharing their upbringings, their Mm -hmm, childhoods, mm -hmm. having been raised with not a whole lot. They bond over having struggled. He says, I was raised by a strong woman. We struggled a lot. My mother did everything with a smile. You didn't recognize you were struggling because she didn't make it seem that way. I had the worst sneakers. I wore the same jeans. They bond over thrift shopping, free lunches, and trying to hide it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she said, growing up, we were so poor and I never would have known. One bedroom we shared with the three of us. My And she describes how her dad built a fireplace with construction paper. It was very touching. It was beautiful. Yeah. This was, I think, a first. I'm, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. You just don't usually get socioeconomic class addressed on this show. Let alone really given this kind of airtime. Mm-hmm. This was really... I, one of the major one-on-one conversations of the episode, like they really gave it that moment. So I would call this Flashpoint. Definitely. This was a beautiful moment and mm-hmm. you could just see them bonding on something that you don't necessarily think they planned on bonding over, which yes. I really appreciate because sometimes it can feel kind of rehearsed. Spontaneity. Yes. It's like, oh, I'm going to talk to her about this sob story now and we're going to, no. like, I'm going to be vulnerable and do this. It just sort of felt like it happened. I agree. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. We get a montage of other one-on-one time, including Hunter watching Katie read his letter to Amazing. her. Amazing. It's always, it's always a good sign when you get thrown into a montage. <laughs> Something about Hunter's face and his reactions kill me. Amazing. They kill me. I laugh it's all the time at Hunter. Not at him, hopefully with him, but Hunter's reactions, they're memes. He's a meme. Okay, Andrew S. gets the rose, surprising nobody. Mm-hmm. It's now the rose ceremony cocktail party. And Katie starts off by basically inviting and encouraging 
the guys to tell her what's going on in the house. This is interesting. It's very early to be doing this, to be mm-hmm. honest. Usually mm-hmm. you wait till episode four, maybe, where enough drama has been brewing where you're like, I want to know. She says, if there's anything else I need to know, please know I am a safe place and deserve to know what's going on in the house. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, you don't find that interesting? No. <laughs> I feel like usually it's more of a just stay out of each, stay in each other's lanes, like stay mm. out of each other's lanes, stay in your lane, more or less. It's very Hannah B. And just not wanting the that sort of like constant chatter to be happening. And she's pretty much straight up like, I want to know. Tell me all the chatter. Sure. Yeah. She wants to be involved, which I find interesting because I'm torn. I don't know if that's a helpful approach. No. Again, I feel like. It's her job. She's playing the game. That's the thing. This might have been the first choice of Katie's that I didn't fully agree with. I kind of tend to fall in the camp of what happens in the house stays in the house sort of thing. Because I do think, like you said, it's her job. This is part of what being the bachelorette is, is to not have people tattle to you and have your mind swinging back and forth on who to trust and just trusting your own instincts. Right. And if that does lead you astray, then oh, that's how the cookie crumbled. 100% agree. Although I do wonder, maybe it's easy for me to say from my sofa, but I think if I were in her position, maybe I would also want to know. But I just don't really think it serves her to uh, necessarily and also, know. Be that. careful what you wish for. Right. That now everyone's going to be coming to her with drama. Well, case in point, we have Carl. Oh, but let's not skip over Michael. So she pulls Michael aside Mm -hmm. because he didn't have a date that week, which, by the way, means nothing. I didn't have a date my first week. Mm -hmm. Horrors. Horrors. Mm -hmm. Michael gives me Evan Bass vibes. Big time. (laughs) Man, I know, because I'm a pro. You know who Evan Bass is? I know who Evan Bass is. You don't think I know who Evan Bass is, but I know. (laughs) That level of expressiveness, and he's sort of like kind of moving when he talks. Yeah. That said, they have their kiss in this one-on-one time, and we weren't. Mm. We weren't vibing this kiss. Yeah, there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of problems? Yeah, we won't get into it, but I had an issue with the initiation and the... Execution. Execution. Yeah. Both. Like, it was like a guy, if it was like a diving competition, the guy, like, almost tripped on the diving board and then belly flopped. But the dive itself happened. He did get off the board and fall into the water. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. This kiss did not... It didn't translate for me, and it didn't feel like Katie was into it either. That said, I still get frontrunner vibes from Michael. Me too. I don't know why. Michael confuses me. I both feel like I'm I'm endeared towards him, but I also feel like he shouldn't be a (laughs) frontrunner. But I think he is a frontrunner. So Thomas has more one-on-one time shown. We're really getting Thomas Thomas being frontrunner vibes here. Yes. They're not shying away from Thomas. No. And Katie... Seems smitten with him. She says to him, I'm already picturing what a life with you outside of this looks like. But again, it's just more of their connection. Oh, they talk about their connection versus what I believe is actual connecting, which is talking about something other than their connection. That's a radical concept, but yes, you're right. This is something that has always bothered me about this show. Show us the conversations they have that are not about their damn connection. You can do that after... Three conversations shown that are actual conversations. Does anyone care about those conversations? To be honest, I would argue that the emphasis on their connection suggests that he's not going to make it to the end. 
because it's too fast. This is episode two, and we've already been shown three clips of them just talking about how connected they feel with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, show the little things, the little things that build towards a big thing. The Greg things. The Greg things. The Connor B things. The Connor B things. Mm-hmm. Now, Katie is shown in an ITM saying, It's a good group of guys here. Everything has really just been perfect tonight. I don't know how tonight could be ruined. Like, I'm just so happy and just, like, floating. Dun, dun, dun. dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, yeah, things cannot go well when, when someone expresses happiness Mm-mm. and contentment. Mm-mm. And now Carl is the, sh- the star of the rest of this episode. Carl n- takes it upon himself to, in his one-on-one time, plant the seed with Katie that there are other men there who are not there for the right reasons. <sighs> Heavens. Carl. Carl. I always talk about show, don't tell. Carl says, I'm here to make you smile and laugh and have a good time. I also want you to know I'm here for you. He's selling himself. He's again. constantly selling himself. Just make her smile then. Don't tell her why that you're yeah. there to make her smile. Say Just make her smile. Say something funny. Yes. Or something that she relates to. Yeah. Why are you telling her? I'm here her? to make you laugh. Then make her laugh. If someone ever, if a woman ever said to me in the first like four hours of conversation, I'm here to make you laugh, (laughs) I would call the police. It's weak. So weak. I'm here to make you laugh. You haven't made me laugh yet. (laughs) So anticipating hotly. (laughs) So Carl plants a seed with Katie that the guys are not, that some of the guys are not there for the right reasons. And Katie has a meltdown. I mean... I almost, it almost pains me to spend time talking about this. I, first of all, hate tattlers. I never like it when a person tattles. But at least when they tattle, it's usually based on some nugget oh, of yeah. accuracy if, or truth. If you're going to rat someone out, at least rat them out. Yes. Don't just be like, there's a general <laughs> badness about the general people in that room over there. Yes, which is exactly what he did. Ridiculous. Yes. And he had no examples, no names, nothing. The thing about Carl is I actually genuinely don't know if he thinks he's playing into the villain role. I don't think no, Carl is... he's unawares. I think Carl is not self-aware enough no. to realize that. I think he just is kind of flailing because he wants to be a front runner and doesn't know how to get there. And so he's sort of just like tr- th- trying to throw people under the bus and make her confused and make himself the person she can rely on. Yeah, Carl is freaking out right now. Why did he do this? <laughs> It's hard to really analyze this from a logical perspective. But you're right. The only reason you would do this is because you felt like you were about to lose. Yes. Like this is your Hail Mary. Yes. It's like, there are bad things happening out there. Watch out for that. But don't look at me. Don't look at the guy who promised he's going to make you laugh, even though you've never laughed at me. (laughs) Yeah, I think Carl is a strategist. So he's strategizing how to earn her trust and make her feel like... He is someone she can confide in. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm going to let you in on things. Sort of the way Aaron desperate. did with Cody. Yeah, he's desperate. Desperation move. Again, because he's not confident. And it talk about backfired because the person she wanted to talk to next was not him. It was Aaron. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on. The men are all talking. And while the guys are like, who spoke to her? What's going on? Carl admits that it was him. But then he lies. Can we just talk about how hilarious the buildup to him admitting it was? Or he's just like... <laughs> Mm. it's like it's like literally someone farted in an elevator and they're just like oh, I mean, this guy over here had tacos for lunch it's so true he was just like 
It was amazing. And finally, he's like, okay, this is, <laughs> I have to. Admit. I think he realized, yeah. He's he like, was, there was no escape. He was on national television. It yeah. was all being filmed. Yeah. Wasn't a secret. But then he lied. I don't understand why people do this. It was all captured on TV. The cameras no. got this. He lies and said that Katie had asked him if he knew anything about the guys and wrong reasons. Well, this has happened before. I've seen this before. Yes. I've seen it on The Bachelor where there was some this girl. This happened with Noah versus Bennett on Clacia's season. Uh-huh. But the difference was Noah and Bennett, act, things were actually said. There was an actual conflict between them. So Noah ha- even had something to talk about. I don't love that Noah did this. People who read my recaps know that. But the difference is something actually happened. Sure. It still bothered me how afterwards he was like, well, she asked me and I told her. No, she didn't ask you. And in this case, Katie did not ask him. It would have been shown had she asked him. Absolutely. Hilarious facial expressions and commentary ensue after this. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. I particularly loved when Carl said, when they're like, who's the person then? Name a name. Name an example. And he says, I don't think it's my place to throw this out there. And then you hear someone go, you already did. I don't think it's my place to like throw this out. You already did. The best. We don't even know who that was. <laughs> this, you already did. <laughs> this is like the office humor. I, I, something about this whole scene just was uh, You could have me had up. office music or Curb Your Enthusiasm music in the background of this whole thing. Especially with David in the background. He's disrespected every single person. He's so checked out. He doesn't oh. care. <laughs> oh, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne, Dwayne checked out. He's yeah. done. He's behind the star of the show. He's yeah, behind he's just Carl. Like, and he's just like, like hors d'oeuvres somewhere <laughs> over there. Like, you bring out a buffet soon? Yeah, that he's was pretty done. Great. Dwayne Wade is checked out of the building. <laughs> checked out. And honestly, that made me like David even more. I love him. He was he's, my wild card. I would put him in my top four if I thought he had a chance. Yeah. He's in my top four as human being. As a human being. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of the episode. In conclusion, we are not Carl fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think we're alone in that. Yeah, my editing analysis at the beginning of this recap, it wasn't in his defense. It was just to show that not every bit that we see from him is pure villainy. Right. But he really, I mean, he, there's not much to work with in his defense no. towards the end of this episode. No. He has no shot at winning, no shot at being in the final four, yet he's making a lot of stink. As is often the case with people yeah. In his position at this point. Mm-hmm. The, although I would say that this is even early mm-hmm. by Bachelorette standards. Mm-hmm. All right. In terms of the weekly word count, mm-hmm. sex positive was uttered three times in this episode. So we're giving a shout out to Shelly. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It might be Shelly. S-H-E-L-E-E. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You guessed correctly. You're the only one. A lot of people aim too high. There were a lot of twos. Oh, uh, there were a few twos and then like six, seven, eights. Yeah. 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 So, Shelly, congratulations. So before we get to our predictions, Andy, hmm. we have to address the elephant in the room, which is the fact that <laughs> your wild card last week was Gabriel, and then I was many, many people tuned in to tell you that Gabriel got sent home. I was, I was too, too lost in his eyes, his beautiful, <laughs> deep, watery eyes and i will admit I, I even missed it i was like no way did he go home he was too handsome there's so many people how could you keep track <laughs> of all this stuff it's it's a lot of note-taking i thought about letting you have a like a sub for your wild card but then i decided it was not fair because after episode two it's all different i agree i don't want special treatment <laughs> i screwed up i have to own it you, you own it all right let's get to our predictions andy who do you have in the first spot Greg. 
It's I mean, a, come on. It's a no-brainer. She brought Greg on the date that reminded her of her dad. That's huge. It kind of mm-hmm. gave me Becca Kufrin vibes, who chose Garrett based on the fact that he reminded her of her dad. I also yeah. have Greg in the top spot. Everyone, everyone has their eyes on Greg. It's a little mm-hmm. too obvious still. There's going to be a twist. A twist, for sure. Oh, I smell it. Okay, in the second position, who do you have? <laughs> Your guy. Andrew S. Andrew S. Andrew S. is mm. adorable. Oh, Andrew S. is good. I also have Andrew S. in my second spot. We are big Andrew S. fans. I love that their conversation that they had this week and their one-on-one time was true connection building instead of just talking about everything with Andrew S is real. Yes. There's no like, I believe that I'm going to give you all yeah. these things. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, just show, yes. show, show why, show how. Yes. And who do you have in third position? With a heavy heart, Michael. Okay. Why with a heavy heart? Because I think on any other season, Michael would be night two, night three elimination. Okay. Because, you know, I'm so versed in the franchise. I know this stuff. But I think that Katie's personality might mesh well with what he has to offer. Okay. Not a huge fan, but I think he's in the top four. I don't know if we have good reason to not be huge. I don't know why I'm not a huge fan, and I don't know why I'm a fan. I'm confused. You know what it is? What always bothers me in these early stages is when the contestants are just too into her right out of the gate Mm -hmm. without having had much time with her. Yeah. That always bugs me. I agree. Because I just don't buy it. That's when I don't buy what you're selling. Right. And so even though I want to really like Michael because he's like, I feel like he should be my kind of guy. Yeah. He's too into her. There's not enough like, we're just still getting to know each other. We'll see. I think he's a really sweet guy. Yeah. And I think she appreciates that. And they kissed. And even though it was... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going Michael 3. Heavy oh, heart. All right. In my third spot, I have Aaron. And I moved Aaron into my top four because of how much trust Katie seems to have placed in Aaron. Hmm. She totally took his word for it in the Aaron versus Cody debacle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted, it's not like Cody really stepped up to the plate in defending himself. But... Even later, when Carl had sort of planted the wrong reason seed with her, the person she sought out in that room, it was not Greg, it was not Connor B, it was Aaron. Mm-hmm. I would have put Aaron in my <laughs> top four. But? But I believe Aaron is slow-stepping his way to the friend zone. I mean, I th- I'm not going to argue with that. I think that's totally possible. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the guy that becomes the emotional support in terms of like wrong reasons amongst the other men tends to be more of just like an emotional support just that yeah not necessarily someone that they want to sleep with yeah all right and then in your fourth position who do you have speaking of people that she might want to sleep with mm-hmm. <laughs> thomas the hunk thomas the hunk the lap kiss the, the lap passionate kiss. on the lap embrace and kiss yep a lot of physical attraction there yep she did not uh, end that kiss any sooner than she needed she to. She did not want that kiss to end. And in other kisses, she's given what I like to call the push kiss, which is that closed mouth final push. The dismount. Yes, the dismount. Yeah. It's like, I've had enough. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, the kissing is over now. It's over. We have The kissing portion of this has ended. <laughs> that seemed like, I mean, if, if the cameras had left and yeah. they had shut the doors, that might have kept going the whole way. Yeah, I agree with that. 
conspicuously missing from your top four is Connor B, cat guy. <sighs> Again, with a very heavy heart. I yeah. think Connor B is slowly pawing his way to the friend zone. Don't necessarily disagree with that. I have bumped Connor B down to my fourth spot. Mm-hmm. Also with a heavy heart because we're huge Connor B fans. Yeah, I we like love him. everything that Connor B is. He's good. He's and good. He, 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 he makes a mean song on the guitar he makes a mean song that was so impressive unfortunately i have bumped him down to fourth and i honestly think i'm generous even doing that because of that kiss i don't know if that kiss is going to get better i mean the kiss is make or break if he had thomas passion with connor b oh yeah other stuff it's over yeah greg is gonna lose agreed all right i think that's it for this recap andy we made it oh we made it still awake two down and uh about nine to go. Eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> going to get there. Oh, I'm going to get there. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Dear Shandy, this recap episode. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can keep Dear Shandy in business by liking, subscribing, hitting the notification bell, following us on Instagram, telling your friends, leaving us iTunes reviews and ratings, and generally doing all the things you would do to support a podcast you enjoy. Indeed. And on that note, I think we can wrap. Thank you guys for tuning in to this recap episode of Dear Shandy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Dear Shandy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.